0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey,
1: friends. Today's guest is Chad Price, lead vocalist for the Fort Collins, Colorado punk rock band, All. Together, we dive into the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the leadoff track, Original Me, taken from their 1993 album, Breaking Things. This was Chad's first release with All, and he stepped into some pretty big shoes to fill. He was the band's third singer, replacing previous vocalists Scott Reynolds and Dave Smalley, both punk rock legends in their own right. Chad was a massive fan of All prior to joining, and was amazed at the fact they wanted to play the song he wrote, and even more shocked when the band put it as the first track on the album. Admittedly. Chad doesn't remember too much about initially writing the song, but does recall wanting it to have that all sound. After all, he wrote it a full two years before joining the band. The song was part of his previous band's repertoire, but it wasn't until the rest of all got their hands on it that it became the animal that it is. It was great catching up with Chad, and we had a ton of laughs. He's as humble as they come, and one of the best singers. From both a technical standpoint, and as far as raw talent goes, that I've ever come across. So sit back, relax, and let us take you back almost three decades. This is a good one.
2: Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast.
1: Chad, how's it going? Chris, I'm doing great, man. It's good to see you. It is so good to see you. I, uh, I've just kind of had the last two days to just reminisce about all the times we had uh, Less Than Jake playing with All. I mean, we did more tours with you guys, or just as many as any of the other bands that we had played with that much with. It's uh, it's incredible. We spent a lot of time on the road together.
3: We have. Yeah, i probably played with you guys more than any other band I could think of for
1: sure yeah. yeah and uh it's funny Is as, as much as we hung out back in the day and and you've always been been quiet uh that's no secret and i guess i never really felt the need to, to dig into this and and there was a lot of fanboying with me going on even with you especially with the, the rest of the guys being the descendants you know <laughs> right, but right. you know i, I kind of want to set this up a little bit you know all is a very interesting band Came out of the ashes uh, When the Descendants first uh, Took a hiatus in 1987 Bill Carl and Stephan, uh Got together with Dave Smalley From DYS and Dag Nasty Who f- went on to uh, front down by law And they released All all Roy Says in 1988, uh, 1989 brought uh, vocalist Scott Reynolds into the band and the band released All Roy's Revenge and uh, three full length albums followed uh, after that. And then Chad, you were selected to front the band releasing Breaking Things in 1993, which features the song we're gonna talk about today, Original Me, that you composed. And I wanna say, and, and maybe I'm making this up, did you write Original Me for another band you were in? <laughs> uh, yes, I did. Okay, I remember hearing that. So you were in another band, and and was that version anywhere near that uh, what ended up uh, on Breaking Things?
3: So I mean, all was my fucking all like favorite band, like Flat Out, especially around this time, like my late teens. So the bands I was in, like I mean, I was you know, you got to start songwriting writing songs somewhere, right? Sure. So. Since All was my favorite band, like everything I wrote, my goal was to basically write All songs. I'm like, (laughs) whatever band I'm in, it's got to sound like All because All's the shit, right? Okay. So I I started writing songs that I thought sounded like All songs. Original Me was in the band. I was in a band called Apple Tree, like right right before All. I actually wrote uh, the song Original Me for that band, Apple Tree which uh, we never really played or anything, you know, we we practiced in somebody's basement and kind of like just never really even got to the point of playing shows. But then I actually joined off, obviously. But the point being, so I original me was the first successful attempt. (laughs) Like, I mean, all the the other shit, you know, just I just threw in the trash i mean i joined all when i was 21 so i probably wrote original me when i was 19 or 20 and it was i mean really it was like my first good song you know
1: is that original demo floating out online anywhere not a
3: chance in hell no way
1: i didn't think so because i i (laughs) looked i looked i looked for it and uh i actually uh, dug pretty hard i couldn't find it do you have a copy of the original demo you could share with us
3: no (laughs) <laughs>
1: okay. And, and the re- the reason I'm asking, I, I mean, I know you play guitar and you can get around and, and, and Stefan's just, as you know, incredible. He he's just approaches guitar differently than anybody I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's part punk rock, part rock and roll, part jazz, part avant-garde. He's just all over the place yes. but in, in his own style. All the runs in this song and the different stuff. Like, did you basically bring in the like the chord arrangements, and then the rest of the guys, you know, did their thing on top of the existing song you brought in?
3: Strangely, uh, I mean, normally, I mean, when you have a guitar player as good as Stefan, you know, it's like just bring in like your three chords or four chords or whatever, and have Stefan like write some cool music or like some actual parts to it. But that song, as far as I can remember, those guitar parts. I wrote them exactly as it's exactly that's
1: incredible.
3: <laughs> like I said, I mean, I was like a new songwriter. Yeah. So like, I, re- I don't really know where this came from. I mean, as far as all the other, all songs that I wrote, I pretty much handed them like kind of pieces and they wrote the parts, but uh, original me was just the guitar parts. Anyway, was, was just done. Like I, that's how I wrote it.
1: That is so cool. And I'm assuming the arrangement was what you wrote, because this is a pretty unorthodox arrangement for a song. So do you remember the band changing it along the way? Or like, hey, maybe we should put this bridge part here? Or was it pretty much the idea that you brought in?
3: I think it was pretty much what I brought in. No kidding. I mean, they all fight it.
1: You know, yeah. w- whatever that <laughs> sure. means.
3: Uh, I mean, <laughs> like when my band before was playing the song, it didn't, even though the music and the lyrics and the melody is the same.
1: And it was you singing, yeah. It
3: was me singing, yeah. You know, it didn't really sound like all. Right. It doesn't sound like all until you have fucking Carl, you know, playing those bass runs and Bill, like, you know, just beating the hell out of the drums. Uh So, I mean, obviously it's a much better song <laughs> with all playing it than it was.
1: But. Right, right. Well, for the listeners, I want to let uh, everyone out there know, I mean, you're about as accomplished as it gets to me as a songwriter and a performer. I mean, you went from all to, you couldn't have went to a completely different world than drag the river. Skyline,
2: me Be the light in my
1: eyes, my you know, you've done mm-hmm. solo records and a vulture wake. I, I think it's one of the best things you've ever done, Chad. That new single Red that yeah. just dropped. Yeah. Everybody out there check it out. A vulture wake. Death. Drowning in red seas.
2: Fighting till you take your
1: Just really powerful. You know, I I loved all eras uh, of the band all. Um I, I love the the Smalley record. I love the years with Scott. I felt that the Smalley record was a, a little continuation of descendants. It was kind of poppy and with Scott, it, it was still poppy, but it started to get quirky and weird. And I felt like when you joined the band, the band got tougher uh, overall. I, I, uh, mm-hmm. Your voice is, has a little more a little more grit and power to it. And uh, the compositions, just the, the material on Breaking Things just didn't have as much poppy and, and, and as, as much weirdness to it. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll tell you how I heard this record. Uh, I was at a Doughboys show in Gainesville, Florida. This would have been uh, late October or so in 93. And uh, as they're setting up the over the PA, the sound man is playing this album. And unbeknownst to me, I hear Original Me, which uh, it, this is another thing I want to say real quick. How stoked were you that your song got to be number one on the record? The opening, first track.
3: <laughs> opening
2: track. That's
3: <laughs> hey. crazy.
1: Like, what did you think when the band told you that?
3: I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I was just starstruck being in the fucking band, you know, <laughs> let alone <laughs> like you know, this is some song I wrote. Okay, all right. Just kicking off the record. Uh, it's, it's nuts. Right. It's nuts. You know?
1: Well, you know, here I am, a 19-year-old kid, and I'm hearing this. And then the second track, Right, comes on. I never again.
2: She makes it easy. She's my best friend. My best friend. She's right.
1: By the time it's halfway through Shereen, I can't take it anymore. And I go over to the soundboard. I go, "Who is this?" He's like, "It's the brand new All album." And I was like, "I didn't. Yes, you know, it's pre-internet, Chad. I, I uh-huh. didn't know there was a new All record out, and I hadn't seen <laughs> anything in the record store for it. Nor did I recognize the voice.
3: Right, right.
1: And I went out, went out the next day and got it, brought it back. I was living with Roger uh, mm-hmm. at the time, and man, that thing—it got spun uh, probably, probably for your, for a year straight. You know, yes. Um, I, I'll never forget. Uh, like i said getting the record and just being like wow they they've gotten uh what seems like almost stronger musically i felt that your addition to the band was really awesome and then of course getting to as as i said a little bit ago getting to tour with you and 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 see you play all these songs live and getting to know you but uh something else i didn't know i didn't know that you sang backing vocals on percolator
3: oh yeah. yeah 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 so like when those when those guys moved from la they moved to Missouri. Right. Like I'm from Kansas city. Right. So those guys moved to Brookfield, which is like two hours away. Middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. <laughs> Middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit. When I joined the band, it's like, dude, you just stuck in this 4,000 person town. You have to drive two hours to Kansas city or, or three hours to St. Louis or something, you know? So, yeah. So they, uh, they were recording uh, percolator in uh, Kansas city at some little studio. And uh, this this is after I had already gotten to know the guys, uh, so yeah, they just asked me to come down and and uh, sing backup and stuff. So so yeah, and that's that's where I started my all career singing backup on Percolator.
1: It's incredible, and I mean, I I knew you were a fan, but I I never again never asked you and didn't want to fanboy out with you back in the day. But but I didn't realize until just now how big of a fan you were. This was like oh, yeah. your dream to to step in uh, to this position.
3: Absolutely i mean when i was younger i I liked descendants i mean i loved Descendants. don't get me wrong uh but i mean as soon as i heard i might have actually seen all before i actually heard it so like i saw it was all in the doughboys uh in lawrence kansas at the outhouse have you played there
1: Played Lawrence, Kansas many times. The bottleneck and the Granada. And Liberty and Granada. Hall, but ne- yeah, but never played. I actually played Granada with you guys. But yeah. not, no, I never played the never played that place. Kill it. What was that like?
3: Uh, it was a fucking. <laughs> it was a cinder block building in the middle of a fucking cornfield. Just Out. <laughs> it was terrifying like i was here's the gig guys <laughs> like i was going to shows out there uh when i was a kid you know 15 16 because like all ages shows didn't come to kansas city and uh lawrence you know it was like 45 minutes away so all the, all the bands i wanted to see like all came to lawrence it was a college town, so we always had to drive out there so i had been uh to the ad house so many times You're just out there, like, I don't think there was running water. Don't even think about using, like, the one bathroom. It was a fucking nightmare.
1: Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like it would have been pretty lonely to be a punk rocker in the late 80s in Kansas City. Oh, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I
3: mean, it's all fucking Kansas City is metal. It still is, you
1: know? Yeah. Yeah, right.
3: Kansas City stuck in the mid 80s.
1: But I am too. That's all good. Well, I got to tell you, after I uh, went to that Doughboy show, they were actually on on tour with Buzzcocks. I'm not kidding you. It was two weeks later. And this might have been one of your first tours with All. It was you guys, coincidentally, with Down By Law, Dave Smalley's new band at the time, Mm -hmm. and my name, and my name who was also on Cruise Records. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Was that one of the first uh, tours you did with All? Had
3: to have been, yeah, for sure
1: yeah and i remember the lights go down and the the band walks out and you know the light lights come up and there i'm looking at at carl bill and stefan stefan who's now bald Bald. i hadn't seen him bald yes okay (laughs) and i'm like okay the guitar player is bald and then who's this kid who's this kid on stage and it was you you looked so young compared to no offense to those guys but you were you were the baby i was the baby still am the baby (laughs) <laughs> those those old dudes have eight
3: years on me.
1: They do, man. And hell, <laughs> eight years in your twenties makes it makes a huge difference. Yeah, from twenty one to thirty, or do you know? I mean that's there's a big difference there. Heck yeah. Well, uh, Chad went on to record uh, three more albums after Breaking Things, uh, the last one being Problematic in in 2000. And I'm a fan that's hoping uh, one of these days we do hear some new all material. That would be that'd be great. But take us back now when you wrote Original Me. You you had said that, you know, you were trying to mimic this after something all would do. But do you remember sitting down with a guitar and and writing it and and, uh, take us back? (laughs) Uh,
3: This is funny. So, yeah, this was like 30. Some years ago <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm asking you to do do some heavy recall here, Chad.
3: Every time you do one of these, do, do you always pick like thirty year old songs for people to talk about? I've done forty year old songs yeah, yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so you're you're still the baby here right now,
3: okay, okay. uh well, I mean, I can't tell you exactly how it went, but yeah, like I said, I'm just trying to write all songs for my band at the time we had just gotten a new guitar player who's actually really good you know like i'm not a good enough guitar player to be playing that kind of shit live i mean i can write stuff yeah but you know put on the spot it's like i can't i can't play stuff like that so it's like okay we just got this new guitar player Aaron, and he's killer so it's like now i don't have to write these like kind of three chord songs anymore that i was writing so now it's like Oh shit! I so I can really do something here. I can write some crazy guitar parts because I got a dude now that can play it. So that's what I did. So I sat down. I'm just like I was trying to get further into uh, more of the crazier shit, the proggy stuff that like all did. Yeah, obviously it's still a it's a pretty straight forward rock song so my attempt at getting proggy didn't really work <laughs> but <laughs> but i was like you know i just sat down and actually tried to write like kind of cool you know weird guitar parts that i'd never tried before you know once i got those verses and shit like the intro music and the verses is like you know these dudes are older than me they I'm talking about all right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like, so i was like trying you know just trying to write shit a little more grown up so I remember as far as lyrics, I was like, all right, I'm just some dumb kid. Now let's uh, let's try to write some shit that <laughs>
1: makes it sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> makes it sound like you're eight years older. You could join the band all. <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, I, I told this to Bill, who I had on the show, and Milo. You're the third person from the family that, that's been on the show. But what I always loved about Descendants and all was that it was all inclusive? Mm-hmm. Everyone's ideas got heard, and everyone mm-hmm. got to write. I always admired that. So many bands are so closed off to you know. This is my band. This is my songs. I could couldn't possibly have the new twenty one year old kid. I have a uh, b- bring a song in that. Let alone, we're going to put first on the darn record. Right. It's incredible.
3: Right, right. It is. That's so.
1: Cool. <laughs> so you're saying pro- you're. You're saying probably around 91. You were like 19 or so. You had written the song. You're playing it in the other band, and then uh, you bring it uh, to the guys. Did they ask you if you had any material? And and was this one of the first ones you played them? Do you do you remember?
3: Uh, they asked me if I had material. I remember Apple Tree, the band I was in. Uh, we had a four song demo that I gave to Bill. Original me was not on it. A- he obviously didn't like these other four songs <laughs> and i don't think you know earlier when you were talking about uh this the original demo for original me and shit and i'm like i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know that there ever was one i don't think that band ever recorded the song and i don't know if i gave bill and carl and stuff a demo either I, it was probably more like when i joined the band i like sat down and just showed the parts and, and it just went from there.
1: I was gonna ask, how did you articulate parts that are this intricate? I mean, this is a pretty, you know, it's not as proggy as, as some of the stuff that all is known for, but it's definitely not just a straight ahead rock song. So mm-hmm. you, you're saying you sat, you sat down and started showing them and then, then the song uh, kind of developed from there.
3: Pretty much, I mean, those guys are pros. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, for sure. In case you've never seen them or dealt with them, they are professionals. Oh, I've
1: uh, <laughs> I've mentioned on this show before, watching those guys, I'm to this day, I'm slack-jawed at how good they are. Uh, original Me is two minutes and 46 seconds. Uh, it has a six-bar intro, drums, bass, and stereo guitars, in an incredible groove right off the top. The bass is super present and punchy. Carl's bass part is absolutely shredding. Uh, on bar five, the drum hits twice on the kick and crash cymbals, followed by a cool time Fill. On the sixth bar, this happens again, but there's no drum fill this time as we go straight into verse one.
2: Mirror, mirror, this face of mine. Verse one here, uh, Chad, I'm going
1: to read these lyrics and have you set them up for us. <laughs> mirror <laughs> you're laughing man this is nuts <laughs> you i gotta tell the listeners real quick but when i was emailing back and forth with you you're like i, I don't know how you how long is this you do these for like 45 minutes how are you gonna eke a 45 minute episode of this i said i will Chad. That, i will that
3: is exactly what i thought
1: like <laughs> some 32 year
3: old song like we're going to talk about it for forty five minutes.
1: Yeah, because I'm a because <laughs> I'm a super fan. Damn it, I love you and your band. All right, All right. let's do it. Let's see. Let's see what I got. <laughs> mirror, mirror, please believe. I need to find a sign. All of my life spent wondering, who's hiding behind this face of mine? It's
3: beautiful, beautiful poetry.
1: <laughs>
3: Basically, the song is kind of about just being lost, like not really knowing. Uh, what the fuck you doing, where you belong, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, you're playing the outhouse in the middle of Lawrence.
3: Right. Like, what the fuck am I
1: doing? <laughs> uh, okay, so, and, but yet you had mentioned a moment ago that you were trying to write something that you thought maybe was a little highbrow that someone a little bit older could relate to. True, yeah, yeah.
3: I, I mean, I was just trying to show that I wasn't like some dumb redneck from Kansas City, you know? Like, I read books. I read books. <laughs> I, uh, I read books. I
1: used, I did. No, but I'll be honest with you, these don't look on paper or sound like 19-year-old kids' lyrics. They don't. This is really good. On the first and third lines of the verse, the guitar is playing these single-note runs as the drums play a shuffle beat with 16th notes on the hi-hat. On lines two and four of the verse, Bill goes to his classic ride cymbal, double-snare-hit beat as the guitars play full chords that snare beat I'm talking about kind of like, uh, he, he uses on, on get the time by the good, good, good things, you know, the classic, uh, bill beat there. And I love how it goes back and forth. Mirror,
2: mirror,
1: Was it played anywhere like that in apple tree?
3: Probably. Because that surf beat, which is what we call it. Yeah. The right that was the fucking all sound to me, you know. So mm-hmm. I think everything I wrote before I was in all probably, probably had that surf beat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I love it. For some reason that beat, I mean, it just, just totally changes the feel of a song for me. Like you you can just play kick, snare, kick, snare, kick, snare, and you have One feeling, I guess. But, man, put in that. It makes
1: it seem like more is going on yeah and it just makes me happy and any of the bands that were were following and looking up to, the, to Descendants and all uh, Doughboys Big Drill Car Chemical People they were all using that beat oh yeah it like yeah, the, yeah. yeah it was it was just awesome um, but I love how it goes back and forth there uh, in, in verse one this next part Chad I'll tell you before I started really getting this under the microscope I always considered this next part the chorus but I'm calling it the pre-chorus now
2: confusion illusion a Interpretation of the
1: original me. Confusion, illusion, a misinterpretation of the original me. What do you consider this part in the song? Is that a pre-chorus? That is a pre-chorus. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, the, I mean, it has to be, right? I think so. That's what I'm calling it. That's what I'm calling it. I'm gonna call it to the pre-chorus, and and I'll I, I'll kind of explain why now. You get a verse right after it, then it goes into the same part again, which is the pre-chorus, and then you're in what is obviously the chorus. So we'll go with pre-chorus here.
3: If the chorus isn't the
1: chorus, then what would you call it? Maybe a refrain. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I'm gonna go that the, this part's the pre-chorus. I'm gonna read the lyric again. Confusion, illusion, a misinterpretation. Of the original me. This part is eight bars. On the Confusion Illusion, the drums go halftime, only right there. And after uh you say me uh, on the last line, uh there's a quick two bar reintro with the whole band. But as for this lyric here, Confusion Illusion, a misinterpretation of the original me, what are you saying there? Shit. <laughs>
3: <laughs> let's let's just leave it at that. Let me take <laughs> let me check my notes. Let me get let me get out my trapper keeper. <laughs> With uh, my rat sticker on the front.: and, uh... <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, a, that's a perfect answer. That's a perfect answer yeah, But uh... like you know, like you're a songwriter,
3: you know, sometimes you just write shit just to have something down on paper.: Will
2: you let me stay for a while)
0: Man, I love this song. I want it until I say so, episode two. Hey, everybody, don't go anywhere. After a few words from our sponsors, we got lots more with Chad Price. Just in time
2: for your summer playlist. Punchline's new single, Find Yourself, is out now. Did everybody got so good at everything? I just over here trying to keep my house clean. I have an eye and it's down. This is why to find in the right place, the right time.
3: Listen to Punchlines, find yourself on Apple Music, Spotify, and everywhere else you can stream music. Duh.
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions
2: 18 plus.
0: And now,
1: back to the show. If I'm going to single one thing out of here, what, what are you trying to say with the original me? Like you were someone before or or what what does that lyric mean to you? Original me, the title of the song.
3: You know, I mean, I guess uh, what I'm saying is just like, like where you come from, who you are as a youngster growing up. Then, you know, sometimes you might end up in a place very different than where you were and should be. And like, how do you get back there?
1: Well, like I said, after uh, you say original me, there is a quick two-bar reintro uh, from the top, and we get into verse two. I
2: need a, sign, a chime, in I need a sign, a simple chime, a wind-blown kiss across my mind, solitude in the craziness, and
1: I need a sign, a simple chime, a kiss across my mind, solitude in the craziness of a world gone mad a world behind Damn, That's good shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I, I think, I think Like I told you, I I've always loved the lyrics of this song, but kind of marveling at the fact that you, you know, you were 19, how young you were when you composed these.
3: I'm marveling at that fact as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if, if you could sum it up, what are you saying here? Or do you need us to just edit when you said shit in earlier? <laughs> <laughs> just edit that in the whole time. Every time. Shit. <laughs> shit. <laughs> On uh, on a world behind here, the melody changes. Uh, doesn't follow like the second line did in verse one. I like that. I know Bill is a stickler for vocals. Always has been. Mm-hmm. Do you remember him pushing you in the studio? Remember him saying like, "Hey, maybe change this line here." When you when you were in recording this stuff, or or was that how it it was on your uh, original version with Apple Tree?
3: It was probably like that. Bill is very much a stickler for vocals and melody and shit yes but more so his songs
1: and i have to ask you because going back and listening to these records uh they were all done analog there was no computers there was no pitch correction with the vocals Mm -hmm. you're a great singer you're a natural but you were young okay and when you're under the clock and you don't have much money as you guys didn't back then to make these recordings it's like okay go hit record are you still proud when you go back and hear these vocals on these records? Because they, sound, I'm not hearing sharp and flat notes and behind the beat and, and 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 singers that are all over the place. This is pretty composed and put together well.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I like it, like especially that first record. I like, you know, I mean, there there might be later stuff that I listen to that I, that like my voice sounds odd to me or whatever, or or feels strange. But uh, breaking things, I could still put on and listen to today um
1: that's cool to hear it
3: just sounds like me i guess strangely you know 30 years later
1: because i mean this was your basically your first introduction to the world this record it's it's documented it's Mm -hmm. it's almost 30 years old and you still think it sounds great. I can't go back and listen to my first couple of records because they were just shoestring budget, 19 songs in, in you know, 20 hours, go, 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 go. Right, and right. I was so young, I, I hadn't learned how to sing yet. You know, I think that uh, at 19, 20 years old, you were so far ahead of where I was at that age. I, I got better as I went along and learned from the greats. You know? right. But uh, I, I think that, and that's why I asked you about Bill. I know that uh, he's a stickler in the studio, but as you said, it might be more so to his songs. Yeah,
3: I mean, as far as like my singing and uh, my timing, uh, all that kind of shit, all practiced so much. Like, so when I joined that band, I mean, we we practiced like six days a week, you know, probably three or four hours a day. So, like, I stepped into this thing and it was just like fucking go practice, 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 practice. So, I certainly wasn't that good when I joined the band. But I got whipped into shape like pretty fast, pretty intensely.
1: <laughs> that is, it's just awesome. But yeah, and and I and I believe it because you were you were great the first time I saw you at that show I talked about earlier. Uh, you go back and look at, at uh, uh, videos from that time period. I, I believe you guys were. Around 94, you, you did million bucks on, I want to say it was like Conan O'Brien show or something like that, maybe mm-hmm. 95. Yeah, Conan O'Brien. new album from my next guest will be headlining this Thursday night at Irving Plaza right here in New York City. Folks, give a nice warm welcome to all.
2: Everybody says they want to.
1: Yeah, go back and look, and, and you sound great. After verse two, we get into a uh, pre chorus two. It's the same uh, lyrics as uh, pre-chorus one And then we get into chorus one We finally arrived at 49 seconds And uh, there is harmonies on every line here I believe that's Carl singing with you That's what it sounds like Yes, it is, definitely Confusion, illusion A misinterpretation Of the
2: original me What big thoughts you have Like a
1: How many times have I heard these songs and I really analyzed them that hard? And of course, Carl does the backing vocals live. But I was like, at first, I'm I'm in headphones. I'm listening intently going, wait, is that Chad like singing harmonies and stuff? I'm like, no, I think it's Carl. The lyric here is what big thoughts you have. I can see them in your eyes when you pretend to laugh. The reflection I see reminds me of somebody like me. That's a mature lyric.
3: What the fuck does that mean?
1: <laughs> oh, that's what you're going to ask me.
2: Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. No. Oh no.
1: <laughs> you know what's really great about this? And it is and I you know listeners can't see this. We're both grinning ear to ear right now. I'm, I'm 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 having a I'm having a ball, chat. I really am because I sang this song at the top of my lungs, screaming this. we yeah. play with you guys on side of the stage. And I, I guess I never really knew what it meant, but it didn't matter because i felt it. Yeah, i felt it. It's uh i mean it's you know, it's deep.
3: It's definitely deep. I mean, it makes more sense for people to take out of it what they want.
1: Yeah. I think that's cool that not many people have said that on this show. I'm I'm over 100 episodes now. Yeah. And not many people one or two people have said that. I like to leave lyrics open to interpretation. They, they can mean something yeah. uh, different to ten, 10 different people. And I'm glad you said that. Yes, yeah, certainly. On the third line here, when you pretend to laugh, the stereo guitars are still going, but there's this uh, cool, like old time, I'm calling it old time rock and roll, like panned off to the left there. Then on the uh, sixth line of Somebody Like Me in the chorus, off to the left again, it's doing this higher pitched squeal. Were all those part of the original thing? No, 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 no. Okay, so that was Stefan going
3: off. Right, yeah, I, I take that back. You know, just all the basic riffs and like little runs, da-da-da, da da all that shit I wrote. Stefan obviously put in like some kind of solo type things, you know, to fill the right. song out that I never did.
1: He does these parts that, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir, you, you you know what I'm about to say. He does these licks that are, oh, that's like a rock and roll lick. And then like, there's these atonal part to it that's just like, where did this come from? You know, but it mm-hmm. all works together. Such so, such a creative guitar player. Uh, this next part is instrumental. I'm calling this next part, The Bridge. Call this next uh, instrumental part the bridge after chorus one?
3: Like a lyricless bridge?
1: Yeah. Musical interlude?
3: Musical interlude.
1: Yeah. Okay, that's what that's what, that's what we'll call it. It's a eight it's an eight bar musical interlude here. The first four bars are halftime. Bass and guitar are doing a call and response thing. It's killer. That back and forth thing that, that uh Stefan and Carl are doing. And the last four bars, the drums are back to a regular beat and guitar and bass are following each other. The final measure, the band stops on this E minor chord that rings out. It's almost it's E minor with something else in it, like maybe a sus chord or something, Stefan's doing there. It's really cool. The band stops. And then we ramp right back up immediately into verse three. Chance the
2: day and spring a laugh. Don't stray off the beaten path. Mental
1: prostitution in this universal
2: institution.
1: Chance the day and spring a laugh. Don't stray off the beaten path. Mental prostitution in this universal institution. It's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. What does that mean, Chris? I I, I <laughs> again I don't have to know what it means to feel it. I just I've always loved it. I've always loved this song and uh do you recall Bill ever saying this to you? Or Stefan or Carl? Carl Carl writes great lyrics going. What does this mean? Or should we change this line? Or were they happy with everything you had? And they, they just took it for face value, what it was, and it made them feel good, like it's making me feel good.
3: I think that's what happened. They just took it. I mean, nobody asked me what it was about, certainly.
1: That's so awesome, though, man. Again, the, the admiration I have for this band, bands, descendants, all, that, that everyone was allowed to be creative. You don't see that in a lot of bands.
3: Yeah. They just let this young fucking punk come in and
1: yeah. you got any songs? All right, let's play them. Let's put them on the record. Let's put it first. Uh, Yeah. That, that to me is incredible. Again, you don't see that a lot. You, you've seen the band dynamics out there and this guy writes Mm -hmm. and this guy writes some too, but the other guy gets pissed when he writes, he gets a little jealous and there's friction and, and, uh, it, it, it's so refreshing to see it like this and. This is an anomaly. This isn't uh, how it's usually done. I mean, y- yeah, bands have collaborate, but to have a brand new singer, in-, in your case, come in, get the first song off the record is is, is a great story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get here a third pre-chorus, and you get the first two lines again. This one is a double pre-chorus, though. Confusion,
2: confusion, illusion,
1: It's confusion, a losing a misinterpretation of the original me. You get that again. But then it changes on the back half. Confession, aggression, my time to end the session. One bang and I'm free. There's harmonies on confession and aggression. And the melody on the last line here, it changes again. It's the only time that melody happens in the song. I'm assuming you don't know what the back half of this pre-chorus means, right? Or yes?
3: Yeah, I do. It's, you know, I mean, it's contemplating suicide basically. You know, it's like wow. it's like where is where where the fuck am I? What am I doing? Do I wanna take it this far?
1: <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, I mean, were 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 you depressed at this point? Were you I was not. You- no no okay no okay so you're like a lot of us 19 year olds you're questioning life you're Mm -hmm. you know i think everyone at some point thought of not thought of suicide like i'm gonna do it to myself but you you've thought about you heard about like how could someone do that you're questioning you know it sounds like there's a lot of questioning going on here in this oh it is
3: man I was a fucking kid yeah
1: hats off to you for being able to write something like this at that age you don't see uh, a lot of 19 year olds that can come forward with something like this after pre-chorus three we have a double chorus now
2: what big thoughts you have? I can see the in-
1: harmonies again on everything here uh, on the third line when you pretend to laugh that guitar is panned off left again with that run Stefan's doing of somebody like me that guitar is off left again doing the, the high-pitched squeal but the second half here again the lyrics are the same the stereo guitars are still strumming but Stefan goes off here on the second half yeah classic classic rock and roll riffs but with some of those uh, atonal notes uh thrown in there as well he's, he's going off there do you remember that being tracked in the studio were you there for that
3: yes i was there yeah and he kind of does his uh like chuck berry having a stroke
1: That is the perfect, perfect <laughs> to, way to describe the, his playing here.
3: Although, if Chuck Berry <laughs> had a stroke, it probably wouldn't sound that good. Oh, man.
1: Yeah. Chuck Berry having a stroke. <laughs> Whenever I hear Stefan play those things in, in Descendants or All Songs, I'm going to forever think of that. Uh, I, might Thanks, have ruined Chad. It. I ruined the band for you. Oh, no, no. That is, that is the perfect uh, descriptor right there. Well, <laughs> after we get. After we get the double chorus here, there's an 8-bar outro that is basically the bridge again. This time, the whole band ends instead of that E minor chord that Stefan does uh, earlier in the song, in the bridge. It's now major at the end. <laughs> Was it major when you initially wrote it
3: i doubt it i probably didn't put that much thought into it. it was an ending
1: i still don't think about endings
3: you know what i mean
1: because <laughs> what's interesting about this is how many descendants in all songs end on that minor chord on that weird you know suspense chord type thing right and here it just it goes it goes happy at the end and i i never thought about it until i cracked this open a couple of days ago and i'm combing through it. and i get to the end i go whoa it ends major that's kind of weird for all
3: i never thought about that either i don't even know what you're talking about i'm gonna have to listen to it
1: (laughs) yeah the very last (laughs) chord just goes to this major e chord it's not minor and it's not weird which is which is all signature minor and weirdness
3: i probably don't even remember it because i mean every time we play it live you know like when we play live it seems like everything just ends on an e minor (laughs) <laughs> everything every fucking song yes. just <laughs> on an email
1: <laughs> very true well okay again we're going back 30 years here and I know that the, you're running on adrenaline you're you're probably still in disbelief you're recording with your heroes you're in a real studio putting this record together do you remember hearing the song back for the first time hearing a mix of, of, of what, we, what we hear today and what were your thoughts Were you proud? Were you stoked? Were you like, wow, I can't believe how good this came out? Because it sounds awesome.
3: I mean, I don't actually remember it, no, but I was certainly stoked. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, handing somebody like a piece of shit and they give you back like a fucking diamond ring. (laughs) Maybe not that
1: (laughs) drastic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that and your chuck berry quote i think that's what we're going to run in the ads to promote this show chad <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah i mean you know like i just have some half-assed thing and then somebody hands me like this finished and like very professional <laughs> song, and of course i'm like holy shit
1: you had every right to be, and uh, I, I think what I'm going to take away, besides the uh, Chuck Berry having a stroke and the, the diamond <laughs> into a piece of uh, dung, what I'm going to take away from this episode <laughs> oh, Do I need is, to clean uh, up my
3: language? No,
1: not at all. Come on. <laughs> but what I really take away from this is the fact that you're still proud of this recording. That That's awesome to me, because you should be, because it sounds great, and I'm not a weird. lot of people can look back- uh, on something they did 30 years ago, you know, I always equate it to that, you know, picture you drew for your for your mom on Mother's Day when you were six years old, and she still has it hung up in the house. You're like, "Come on, mm-hmm. mom," you know, it's uh, you're a little embarrassed, but the fact that you you're so proud of this, and like I said, you you should be, is is really cool. I appreciate um, it. Before before we break, is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with? Of what's going on with you? Any tour dates coming up? What's going on with the Vulture Wig?
3: For starters, uh, yeah, like the song originally. I mean, it's still like you know. I mean, all fans like different eras, uh, different singers, blah blah blah, whatever. But I mean, original me is pretty much the song I am known for. You know what I mean? Like songs that I have written. That's like mm-hmm. that's like the song. You know, even though I like I have other songs.
1: I'm really glad that you said that just now because I'm I meant to bring this up. Thank thank you for saying that. I mean it. Thank you because there are other songs. the The reason I picked this one was because I remember hearing a story somewhere along the way that you had this in another band, which I was right. This was your first record and you got the first song of the record. Because I'll tell you, the other song was Silence, which is a beautiful, beautiful song.
2: I can't forget your pictures that I put away. I'll look at them again someday. I still hold your memory close to me. I've tried to share my thoughts. I thought it would never happen. You me up
1: in the You I love that. And Mass Nerders is my favorite all record that the band has ever made. It will always be. I just, there's, that was that time period we were out, out touring together. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that was what we listened to in the van on the way to the gig. And then we heard the songs every night. And it was just so cool. Silence is great. But I felt there was a great story here with Original Me. And, and uh, there was. Was there? <laughs> <laughs> i think so <laughs> okay we'll let the listeners be the judge right, but, uh, right, yeah right. before b- before we break or anything anything else you'd like to say everybody
3: needs to check out my new band a vulture wake i think it's the best shit i've ever written got a band put together that's pretty that's pretty hot shit and uh we have a new ep coming out in uh june if it, anyone that's interested a you can find us we got some touring, a little bit of touring coming up and stuff. We're still a new band, you know, so we're like, we're just, we're trying to do as much as we can. And, and, uh, but since nobody knows who we are, it's still tough,
1: but yeah, that's, that's about it. That's awesome. Yeah. Definitely check out a vulture wake. Uh, the new single's called red. It is awesome. And Chad, thank you so much for uh, sitting in with us. I appreciate it, man. Thank
3: you, Chris. Good to see you, my man.
2: A week
0: and a kiss goodbye. Hey everybody, don't go anywhere. We got the band you might not know. We got the rap segment where Chris and I talk about this episode. We got all that coming up after a few words from our sponsors. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah. And pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at, just search the tone mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Do you enjoy the content and production of Krista makes a podcast? Do you have an idea for a podcast or an existing podcast that you'd like to take to the next level, well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have over 25 years of combined experience in the pod field, and we're ready to help you succeed in the golden era of podcasting.
2: As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know.
1: Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via mp3only and bio to band you might not know at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is Life Lessons from Oslo, Norway. Their bio says that they bring a different kind of vibe to the easy core genre. Maybe so. All I know is that this rocks. You can find their music on Spotify, and here's a snippet of their song, Nothing Gold Can Stay.
2: Yeah. Never go, never go. Never go. Never me. Chris and Chris.
0: Chris, I never would have imagined as a kid who had all pummel and heard this guy with the gravelly scream. <laughs> I would have thought he would have been this intimidating guy. I never would have thought he would have <laughs> laughed so much. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, that he's always been chatty he's never changed in that respect and uh his, his laugh's kind of a nervous laugh i think when he when he's kind of at a loss for words he doesn't know what to say you know he was very shy and very quiet back in the day i kind of alluded to that at some point in the episode but uh you know he he's he's opened up uh as the years went by a little bit more but yeah he's just a very quiet person he was one of those guys that uh wasn't the alpha dog in the room on tour screaming and going crazy he was just kind of you know you wouldn't even know he was around if you didn't didn't look you know
0: Is there a much cooler story than the story of someone who is a fan of the band who gets to be in his favorite band
1: yeah it, it, especially how young he was you know he joined the band when he was like 20 21 years old and the other guys had a good you know almost a decade on him and I I, I said I said during uh when we were talking that the first time I saw them the rest of the guys come out I'm like who's this kid because I hadn't even seen a picture of him yet and he just killed it that night in Gainesville especially not just his own songs but the back catalog he did all those all songs justice they would even throw in a a descendant song or two and he would smash those as well he was uh such a such a good singer and you want to talk about uh the talent as a singer and being so young yeah he he credits to all uh practicing so much back in those days and and having someone like biller on crack on the whip but there's a there's a natural talent uh beyond most singers beyond what i had at 19 years old for sure that he brought into this band
0: Oh, he's my favorite all singer. I mean, he's one of my favorite punk rock singers ever. He's got such a grit. I I called it gravelly grit to his voice, but but it's also pretty. But he also has a scream, which I think rivals any hardcore or metal singer I've ever heard.
1: Yeah, no, and, and in terms of loudness, he's one of the loudest singers I've ever heard. He just gets up there and he just belts. And, you know, I think uh, a, a lot of us punk rock singers had to sing loud. I've mentioned this before, that I, I haven't heard anybody sing as loud as Roger probably ever. Uh, you know, because you start <laughs> out in punk rock bands, uh, you're playing the you're playing the outhouse in Lawrence, Kansas, as Chad said. And they, the PA is a transistor radio that you're trying to hear okay. your voice over the band. You got to be loud. And Chad always projected, and, and uh, getting to see that band every night just... Besides the rhythm section of, of Carl and Bill and, then of course, Stefan, but just getting to watch Chad with them. He was a, a complete pro, and uh, the band was just was just on fire every night.
0: Yeah, I tried, as I always do as the producer of this show. I didn't fanboy out too much, but what I could have said to him, I don't know if he has a lot of people saying this to him or if this is rare that someone says this to him, but I, as a young person, discovered all because I saw them on MTV. On 120 Minutes, which I was probably watching to see like the new Nine Inch Nails video or something. (laughs) And I just saw this band, didn't know anything about their background, just liked the song Million Bucks, bought the album, and that was my introduction to them. They were one of the first punk rock bands I ever liked or or heard. So it was really crazy for me to hear, because I never looked into this before, that he was so young I didn't think of him as being super young. Yeah, he
1: was. He was a kid. You know, like I said, I, I saw them on that on that first tour. Couldn't believe how how young he was, and I had known nothing about him T- two weeks prior to seeing them. I had heard breaking things come over the PA, as I said. I didn't know who it was. Like, oh, this is the new All. Like, what? I didn't even, didn't know they had a new record out, let alone a new singer. Information was a little slower back then. You know, if you if if you didn't catch the article in the in the zine at your punk rock record store or something, or if there wasn't a poster in the record store skate shop of a band's new record you, a lot of times you didn't
0: know about it yeah you sure didn't sound like a kid but i think they performed on 120 minutes or did it some sort of live performance if i remember correctly i think i might have it on a vhs taped somewhere not that that would work now but uh you know i i think that yeah they're such an awesome band i would have never known he was that young i think that point about the fact that they practiced so much approached it like a full time job that's why they're so good. Yeah.
1: They, they were, they were going for what the band's name was. They were going for all. And the premise of going for all is that no matter what you do, if, uh, you're going to be a doctor, be the best doctor you can be if you're going to be a musician and, and that's that's what they set out to do. I just think it's it's so cool that, I, like I said I know no Chad can get around a guitar but the fact that he was writing the major uh, portions of the, ru- the guitar runs and the parts of this song. Yeah, Stefan and the band added their nuances but uh, at 19 years old he, he came up with this song and he's, you know uh, a little bit dismissive of the song uh, just, you know because yeah. uh, it is so old but at the same time he uh, did say he proud of his vocal performance on it, which I I
0: thought that's really cool because it does sound great. I imagine it is hard to talk about such an old song. It might be like someone coming up to you and being like, Chris, tell us the entire story of Liquor Store. And you could be like, well... I went to the liquor store and I bought some liquor. I don't. Maybe there is a good story to that. I'm just using that as an example. No, that's
1: that. That's actually a great example because I wouldn't. I wouldn't have much to talk about that song to be honest with you. I, I barely remember writing that one, but it, it, it is a fan favorite, and you can you can never replace the feelings of the fans. You know, the fans are the ones that make bands into who they are, make them. Uh, I don't know stars, so to speak, and looking back it's like here i am talking to my friend chad but i'm still as big of a fan as i was back in the day you know i'm still you know just still a little bit of fanboy coming out here and i'm just trying to collect myself this song and his band mean so much to me uh but at the end of the day it's like yeah he said it it's like this song's like 30 do you remember where you were 30 years
0: ago <laughs> well you know another thing chris and you talked about this we've talked about this on a lot of episodes is yeah maybe chad as a young person thought to himself as he's writing, oh, I'm just going to write some stuff that sounds like cool stuff to sing. Maybe it sings well, or maybe he's just like, oh, these are cool words to say, without thinking a lot about what they mean to him. But you take away your own interpretations in music, and things that he's singing that might not mean much to him on like a deep level might mean something to someone else who's hearing it, because you attribute your own meaning to it and it might be the most meaningful thing in the world to someone else. And I'm sure that's not the case just when we're talking about original me. I'm sure that's the case all the time, every day with music. There, all the time. People are writing things that just sound cool or, you know, make you feel a certain way, but don't necessarily have some deep meaning attached to it. But the listener attaches their own meaning to it. Absolutely. You, know, you have- go to a
1: whatever, an Elton John concert, and you see 30 people in the front row crying, men and women, and they're all crying for a different reason. You know, that song has touched them in some way and reminded them of something in their life. You know, pre-chorus three here, the double pre-chorus, the uh, last, uh, last half of it, confession, aggression, my time to end the session, one bang and I'm free. He did say that was like about yeah about ending it about suicide. And I was like wow, and, and I, I said, hey, don't mean to get too personal. Were you thinking were you suicidal? he's like, no, I just was thinking about things that you think about when you're 19. You know, you're not necessarily questioning your,
0: your mortality, but you're questioning life. Right. Yeah. Just because you're not thinking about committing suicide yourself doesn't mean you're not thinking about the concept of it or someone that you might know that might be struggling with that or just yeah, just the concept in general and. Once again, if that's a line that someone took something away from, if someone was having suicidal thoughts, for example, saw that lyric or heard that song and took away that, yo, I'm not alone in feeling like this. You know, this guy singing in my favorite band, he's felt this way. That's a perfect example of taking away your own meaning from a song where maybe the person writing it was just writing words.
1: Yeah, good, good point. I'll tell you what else is a good point, Chris. What's that? People out there, if you are not part of our supporting cast, our VIP program, head over to ChrisDemakes.com. You get extra bonus episodes of The After Party. You can be a contestant on our very own game show, Defeat Demakes, all kinds of other perks. Head over to ChrisDemakes.com. We'd love for you to join us and be a part of our supporting cast. That was
0: a breakneck segue, man. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was impressive. You went, <laughs> We went from heavy subject matter to our sporty Cast, and I think that's great. Um, also, Chris, if anyone out there is listening and you enjoy this podcast, hit that fifth star wherever you listen. If you listen on Apple, if you listen on Spotify, there's a little star system. Hit that fifth star uh, because that lets the world know that you like our show. And the more of those little five-star ratings we hit, the more people are going to find out about our podcast. Chris, what's funny about that is I actually don't know if that's true. (laughs) I just assume that that's true. Why else would you have that? We'd appreciate the fifth star is my point.
1: That's right. If if nothing else, it makes us look good. We try our best. We try our best to deliver a great show. Thank you so much. If you haven't already joined the Chris makes a podcast Facebook group, we'd love to have you follow me on Instagram at less than Chris D. And I want to thank this week's guest, Chad Price, for joining us.
2: I will call upon you to do a service for me Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com Welcome to the family
0: No purchase necessary, VGW Group, void where prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply
1: Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band The Menzingers Where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people So I started a podcast